day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? I know we are doing wonderful in Jesus' name. You want to know why? Because we are grateful. We are courageous. We are resilient. And we are intentional. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I pray that everyone had a wonderful week with minimal stress and confusion, right? Because that's always my prayer for everyone every week. Because the less stress that you encounter, the better your life is going to be. 
It's just the bottom line. That's just what it is. If you can be in peace at all time, that's the best place to be in. And today's topic is going to help us live in that place of being less stressed and filled with more joy. Now, did you know that when you entered into salvation, you were essentially stating that you surrender your whole being, your thoughts, your will, and your desires over to God? You were saying, here I am, Lord. Use me as you wish. And we all know this because we had such a great role model. The greatest person to ever walk the face of the earth. Known to all as the King of King and Lord of Lords. Jesus Christ himself. That's right. Jesus is our example of true humility. He sought to honor God. To give him all the glory all while teaching us hmm, how to interact with each other. Now, you know that was a hard task, and it took every bit of the God in him, I'm sure, to hold it together while dealing with us. But by accepting Christ and receiving our salvation, we decided to follow in the way that he lived. So today's topic is humility the key to the kingdom. And today, our scripture reading, well, before I start that, I want to remind all my new listeners or those of you who have tuned in again from after not listening for such a long period of time, I just want to remind everyone that they can catch all of my shows on my RadioFreeBrooklyn.org page, go into the archives, all of my shows are there. You could catch up on some that you've missed. You can rehear some that you need more understanding about. And I'm also on all other podcast platforms. So now we're going to get into today's topic. And our scripture reading today is going to come from the book of Philippians. Right? Now, this was a letter that was written to the people of Philippi by the Apostle Paul. Remember, we talked about Paul, Saul, Saul, Paul last week in episode 172 when we did the road to Damascus. So now here's a little background on the book of Philippians. Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. OK, so imagine that somebody writing a letter in prison like people do today. They always write letters when they're in prison. But I don't think they write letters quite like this when they were in prison. He wrote this letter to let the people of Philippi know how grateful he was for sending. Okay, now I don't want to butcher this name, but I'm going to try it. Epaphroditus? I don't know. I said it last night. I kept practicing, practicing, practicing. I should have practiced it again this morning. But anyway... The people of Philippi, they sent someone over to the jail, right, to comfort him and to give him a financial blessing. So now when you think of it in today's language, that's our equivalent of having a visitor in Rikers Island 
and receiving money for your commissary. Okay, that's exactly what that was. So he was writing them a letter, thanking them for sending someone to encourage him while he was in lockdown and for giving him money. But this is not the only thing in the book. It wasn't just about giving thanks. The book was also about having joy. Because if you think about it, if Paul is able to write a letter and he's writing it enthusiastically, that means he had to have some type of joy within him, right? He wasn't feeling all down and depressed that he was thrown in jail and woe is me, I have to be here. No, he was actually sitting there writing it with them happily. Timothy was there with him. So it wasn't like he was totally by himself, but he was doing it as an act of joy, as showing the people, look, when you have Christ in you, you can withstand anything, right? So he was also showing them that the circumstances of your life don't have to dictate how you feel, right? If you have God and you're living for the kingdom, your joy is going to come from within. Your joy is not governed by what goes on in this world. So we're going to begin our reading from chapter two. And as always, I'm reading from the New King James Version, unless I say otherwise. So we're going to start with chapter two. Chapter two. Oh my gosh, I'm getting so tongue-tied this morning. Chapter two, verses one through eight. <laughs> Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Blessed is the reading of God's word. So now in this passage, we see that Paul is speaking to the people of Philippi, reminding them that when they are being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind, this is what brings harmony and the spirit of the Lord into their presence. Don't you know that where there's unity, there's peace? When there's confusion and disruption and distraction and all types of backbiting and fighting and cussing and accusing and finger pointing and 
all that kind of stuff, that brings stress. That brings chaos. But when you have a group of people, and he's writing to the church that he's writing to a group of people, when you have a group of people that can come together and think as one mind, not that they all do the same thing, like we all, like we always learn here every week. We learn every week that everyone has their own road to walk down. Everyone has their own journey, their own purpose, their own calling. But when all the callings, all the purposes are all coming together, knowing that everything that they do is for the glory of God, that everything that they do is to uplift the kingdom, that brings them into the one mind, into the one accord, which gives the church body peace, right? Because Matthew 18, 20 Jesus told us, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So wherever Jesus is, whenever Jesus is present, you have peace, right? Because think about it. Remember when they were going across in the boat, across to get to the other side, Jesus told them, you know, we're going to go to the other side, let's set sail. And a storm came and Jesus was curled up in the back because he was tired from preaching all day. Of course, you would be tired. After you finish talking about the Lord, it drains you. And then just dealing with people drains you. So he was in the back of the boat on a pillow, curled up, asleep, figured he could catch a couple of Z's till they got to the other side and he had to continue his work. A storm came, everybody panicked and they're waking him up. Lord, don't you care that we perish? He's like, Let me just calm this so that I can get some sleep so that they can calm down. But they should have known if he was in the boat. And that's what we have to remember. And I thank you, Lord, for bringing this back to my remembrance. We all have to remember this. When there's a storm going on in our life, when things are chaotic, when things seem to be out of control, if you're a child of God and he said he would never leave you or forsake you, then you don't have anything to worry about. Because he's there. And where he is, there's peace. You just have to concentrate on him. So Jesus will give you peace. Because where he is, there's peace. Where he is, there's joy. Where he is, there's understanding. Where he is, there's clarity. But let me tell you, it's not going to just come upon you. It's not like, okay, yeah, your life is chaotic and it's just going to be, oh, okay, Jesus you know, do whatever you got to do. You can do that. You can throw up your hands and say, Jesus, do whatever you got to do. But you can also take a step back, take a deep breath, sit and be still. And then that's where everything is going to come to you of how to deal with the situation. Because yes, some situations are chaotic and yes, some situations will make you panic. But when you take that deep breath, and we talked about this, taking that deep breath and just taking a moment to realize what's going on, that's when he's able to give you clarity. That's when the Holy Spirit Spirit is able to give you that peace so that you can then three, think through logically about how to handle what is happening to you. So now Paul also reminds them 
to let the mind of Christ also be in them, letting nothing be done in selfish ambition, meaning wanting only to do something because it will benefit you alone. Nor should there be any conceit, thinking that you're better than everyone else and only you are able to do whatever it is that needs to be done. You don't need any help. You don't want any advice. You don't want to hear anybody's opinions. It's just all about what you want. Hmm. But instead, look at others as being better than yourself. Now, how many of us can say that we actually look at people as being better than ourselves? Seriously, how many of us say, how many of us look at people and say, oh, no, they're better than us. Oh, no, they're better than me. Because in this world, we're taught that no one is better than you. Even as a child, nobody's better than you. So you don't let those kids in kindergarten make you feel like, right? And that everything you do, you should be striving to be the best because you want to be on top of everything all the time over everybody. That's what we're taught in this world. That's the way the world operates, right? If you want to be the CEO or you want to be the, the, the president of the company, you don't want to just be a worker. Why would you just want to be a janitor? You want to be the CEO. And now I'm not saying that wanting to be the president of a company or obtaining the position of being the president of anything is a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if God gives you that position, rather than you having to work to obtain it, then that's even, be that's even better for you. Because you know the work that you have to put in to be this CEO if you're getting it by ill means. If you're getting it by the world's standard. Like, you know what? No matter what I got to do, I'm going to beat this person out because I want this position. That's not the way to go about it. But if it's a position that's supposed to be yours and God has it already sitting there waiting for you, he's just waiting for your character to catch up for the position that he already has set for you. And that goes for any position. We're not just talking about being the CEO because being the CEO, yes, is great. But you know what? If you're the janitor, that position of being janitor is just as important depending on what he has for you to do. Depending on what he has for you to do, your position as janitor could be your position as CEO. And see, we're going to get into this because I do, I have been working on a show to talk about how size doesn't matter. And remember, we talked about don't despise small beginnings because you don't know who you have to impact on your journey in the position that you're in. You don't have to be on a pulpit every Sunday in front of thousands of people sitting in a church, or you don't have to be on anybody's church stage to be able to get the message out about who Jesus was and what he did. You could be someone standing in a grocery store online and happen to strike up a conversation with someone, which would then open a door for you to talk to them about the goodness of the Lord. So don't ever look at 
oh, well, if I'm not in this position, then I can't be as effective because I need to have this type of audience. You don't know who your audience is. The biggest thing that I've always stressed here on this show, and those of you who listen to me often will, you can say, yes, she's right. I always say, do what God told you to do and you're in the right position. If you do what God told you to do, you're already in the right position. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what the assignment is for somebody else. You do your assignment. You do your assignment to the best of your ability to give God the glory. And you're already CEO of your assignment. Everybody's CEO of their own assignment because nobody else can do their assignment the way you can do your assignment. Amen? So Paul wants us to have the mind of Christ, who left the throne, who, when he was sitting at the right hand of God, came down to earth to show us how to live. And think about this. He was God in the flesh. He still had all the powers. He still had all the authority. But he came here and he humbled himself. And he was teaching us how to show respect. Right? This is an example of knowing who you are. When you know who you are, you don't have to prove anything to anybody else. Jesus knew who he was. And he knew that he didn't have to prove anything to anybody either. All he had to do was come down, tell us who he was, teach us how to live, give his life on the cross, job complete. And I'm not saying that that walk was easy. The way I put it, yes, it sounds like that walk was easy. No, I'm sure there was difficulty on that road that he took. But he never said, you know what? I'm done with this. There's no saving these people. I'm out of here. He could have left anytime he wanted to. But he knew he came here for a purpose. He knew he had a job to fulfill and he completed it. Just like us, when we find out what our purpose is, when we know what our job here is to do, all we have to do is complete it and then we're done. So your joy comes when you're secure in knowing who you serve. And when you know that you serve an awesome God, how could that not bring you joy? Because when you're humble, when you're obedient, when everything you're striving for is to please God because your life is now in his hands, don't you think that brings him joy as well? Not that he needs joy from us, but he loves the fact that we would come to him with everything that we look at him as being our father. He loves that. So us being humble enough to say, Lord, I could never make it in anything I do if it weren't for you in my life. That right there showers blessings on you. That right there brings sunshine into your life. 
right? Because the opposite of humility is arrogance and pride. And we all know who lives by that, right? We all know who believes in walking in arrogance and pride. That's Satan. God doesn't want anything that has to do with anything with Satan. That's why he had to leave the kingdom in the in the beginning, because he thought he should have been God. He thought people should be bowing down to him. So when God sees that in us, that doesn't bring God glory. That doesn't bring him happiness. That's like, here's an example. That's like your child, right? You gave birth to this child. You raised this child. And then this child becomes becomes someone, becomes someone great, maybe an athlete or whomever. And they go to say, oh, I got here all on my own. No one helped me get here. I did this all on my own. Nobody was there to do anything with me. Everything I accomplished was everything that I wanted. And then they turn around and say, nobody could do Nobody could have taught me how to do this. Nobody could have given me any type of encouragement for me to be here. I did this all on my own. You're going to sit there and look at that child like, have you lost your mind? Have you lost your mind? You got to be kidding me. But on the flip side, on the flip side as humans, you'll always hear if something doesn't go right in someone's life, if something is messed up or if they've made mistakes or find themselves in a rut that they can't get out of, the first thing they'll start talking about is, oh, I came from a dysfunctional family, right? They're quick to blame the the family when it's things that don't go right. And I'm not saying that people don't give, you know, honor to parents and everything when they do well. Yes, I've heard that as of late. Yes, people do do that. But there are a lot of people that may feel in their heart that they got someplace on their own. You can't go by what they're saying out their mouth if you really don't see the fruits of what they're, you know, talking about, that they do really honor their parents for getting to them to where they are. But even in honoring their parents, it's still God that put those parents there to do what they need to do to get that person to where they need to be. So that's all God is looking for from us. He's just looking for us to acknowledge that, you know what, God, if it weren't for you, I don't know where I'd be because it's the truth. Where would any of us be without him? Where would any of us be? And Proverbs 22, 4 teaches us that as well. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. And I like the way the Amplified Bible states it. The Amplified Bible states Proverbs 22 and 4 as the reward of humility, that is, having a realistic view of one's importance and the relevant worship, fear of the Lord, is riches, honor, and life. And isn't that what we're all looking for? And just to think, if we're humble and we worship God, we'll have riches, honor, and life. How simple is that? How simple is that recipe? 
Because that is what we're all looking for. And isn't that what Jesus stated when he came? He said he came to give us life and life more abundantly. He came here to give us an example of how to obtain that. And that was by being humble. And with that, I say it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say? Here on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like. Father, I trust you. Father, I trust you. Father, I trust you. Always. And Father, I need you. Can't do life without you Father, I need you Always Who has that testimony in the room? Sing it with us, Father Father, I trust you Father Father, I trust you You got it, Father Father, I trust you Somebody say, always and sing, Father, I need you. Father, I need you. Can't do life. Can't do life without you. You got it. Father, Father, I need you. Somebody say, always. Always. Hallelujah. The next part is just going to ask him to heal us. Say, Father, please heal me. Father, please heal Anybody need healing? Father, Father, please heal Come on, somebody me. in the hospital room, make this your prayer. Father, please heal me. Always. Always. Come on, sing, Father. Father, please heal me. And ask him, and bring me the victory. Hey.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Now, for our musical selections today, we had, of course, Making Changes, which is our opening theme by Grace. Then we had Always, Father, I Trust You by Javanta, Javanta Pattern. Then we had All Yours by Kira Sheard and Anthony Brown. Then we just had The Great I Am by Volney Morgan and New Y.E. And we praise God for that wonderful music. That music gets me pumped up. Sometimes I just love the music that God gives me to play in between the sessions because it is just like awesome. So now it's time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And in Op-Ed, we're going to continue with humility. And we're going to take a look at what was written about humility in Colossians 3. And we're going to go to Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, this sums up everything, right? Help me, Holy Spirit. This sums up everything that we are supposed to exemplify. This is how you will win souls for the kingdom. It will be by your actions and the way you live your life 
that people will be able to relate to you. Right? Remember, holding others to be higher than yourselves, you're supposed to be a walking representation of Christ, a living example. So when you're secure in who you are and you know who you serve and you know that he is always with you because you have the Holy Spirit that dwells within you, it, come, it becomes much easier to show humility because you are a child of the Most High God. And there is nothing, nothing greater than that. That ends our op-ed for today. So, because we are still in the month of August, our word of the month for August was rebirth. And that is being born for a second time in a new body, a brand new beginning. And that's what we get when we become saved. That's what we get when we dedicate our lives to the Father. That's what we get when we surrender our life, our desires, our will, and say, okay, God, use me. Here I am. I'm all yours, right? And we're going to end our promise for this week. We're going to have our promise for this week. And our promise for this week is going to come from Matthew 18 to 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So this is what you have to remember. When you are having a conversation about God, he's there. He's listening to what you're saying. He's right there in the midst of you. Always. He said it. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name. So any conversation that you're having with someone about the Lord, know that God is right there. Although he's always with you anyway when you're by yourself, but just know that he's right there sitting down, having that conversation with the two of you or the three of you or however many of you are gathered together. So it is true what he said. He's always in the midst of us. He's always there for us to call on him. He's always there whenever we need him. And where he is, there's peace. There's clarity. There's understanding. And that all brings us joy, right? So I want everyone to have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. I think I'm going to end it a little early today. Yeah, we could go out on some music because I am feeling so full of joy right now. And just talking about this is making me feel so full of joy. And you know when I get full of joy, right? You know what we do, right? We dance this show out. When I get full of joy, we dance this show out. So we are going to dance this show out this morning. And I want everybody to have a blessed week. Stay safe. Love one another. Be blessed. Your family is blessed. Everything about you is blessed. You're in good health. You're in prosperity. 
You can do whatever it is that you want to do through Christ who strengthens you. And until God brings us together again next week, peace. Yeah, everybody, this is the day that the Lord has made. I don't know about you, but I will rejoice and be glad in it.
still worthy of all the praise. Let's go. Now they're bouncing off the sea 